Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Four Person Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515-602-9655. The number, again, is 515-602-9655. Looking for a Catholic counselor? Dr. Peter Claponis, Deb Rojas, and the Tina Integrity Counseling Services provide faithful Catholic counseling in Pennsylvania and beyond. We offer telehealth and in-person counseling for porn addiction, betrayal trauma, anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, and much more. You can find us at IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. That's IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. Looking for a Catholic counselor or coach? Dr. Fred Boley provides faithful Catholic counseling and coaching for men in Missouri and beyond. He conveniently offers telehealth services for anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, or just getting stuff done. You can find him at stbarn.org or 872-269-1280. Once again, the number is 872-269-1280. She is a Catholic recording artist, multi-award winning songwriter. She sings contemporary and folk rock music. She has been in the music industry for over five years. Her music is her ministry. She aims to help people that suffer from all kinds of pain in life and try to bring them to the Lord through her music. She has three albums out and her music is being played on radio stations all over the world. Her website is lisamarinacole.com and she is on social media. Her music page is Facebook.com Lisa Songs of Worship. YouTube at Lisa M. Nicole. Instagram Lisa underscore Marie underscore Nicole underscore official. Her songs can be purchased on her website, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and everywhere else. Her merchandise store has everything for her ministry and can be accessed through her website. Her new CDs will be available very soon and can be purchased through her website. She counts herself blessed that God has chosen her to help spread his message. She is Lisa Marie Nicole. Get her music today. The Four Persons Inc. is a licensed 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. No use of our content is allowed, by law, without our permission. Our goal is to bring you the very best Catholic content possible. 
Going forward, we will continue to bring you the best apologists, educational programming, devotionals, and live charitable and social outreach and activism. However, we cannot continue to bring this great programming without your help. All of our members are volunteering their time and efforts, but the hosting, programs, licensing, and subscriptions needed to keep this going costs money. Right now, our credit card platform is not yet operational, but you can still send your tax-deductible gift to the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. That donation address again is the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. If you are interested in advertising on our shows or have any questions or comments of any kind, email us at email at thefourpersons.com or call us at 240-728-6531. And now, welcome to Catholicism Rocks brought to you by our friends at catholicismrocks.com. This is our weekly Sunday night show dedicated to the premise that there is nothing better than being a Catholic. Hello. My name is Ed Bradley. I am a director at Catholicism Rocks. I'm also an evangelist. I'm also on our parish council. I'm also a sacristan. And I'm also a Knight of Columbus. Um, I recently did a video on Facebook. Uh, it's called, um, it's the company that does it. It's called, um, um, cool FM online. And they did a video of me talking about our lady of Fatima and this, our lady of Fatima, she came, uh, in 1917, but a year before that, there was an angel who said he was the angel of peace. And he came in 1916, and these children were very, very young. One of them was nine years old. Uh, that was Lucia. Uh, Francisco uh, was uh, eight years old, and uh, Jacinta was six years old. They were little, little kids. And the angel of Portugal said, I'm the angel of peace. But later on, they found out that he was the angel of Portugal because every country has a guardian angel. And they found out that uh, in the spring of 1916, World War I was going on. It started in 1915 and went to 1918. And the angel said, I'm the angel of peace. I want you to say this prayer. So he gave them a prayer. The prayer is, my God, I believe, I adore, 
I hope and I love thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. That is called the pardon prayer from the Angel of Peace in Portugal in 1916, the spring of 1916. In the summer of 1916, the three children saw the angel prostrated himself before a host and chalice that hung in the air. The host uh, was above the chalice and it was dripping blood into it. He said to say this prayer, worshiping the Eucharist. He said, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles in the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences whereby he is offended. And through the infinite merits of his holy sacred heart, of his most sacred heart, and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. That's the prayer he said in the summer of 2016 to teach the children. Now, during the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima, the children found themselves moved by interior impulse, as uh, Lucia later explained, and, and to say the following prayer together. That prayer that the Blessed Mother taught them, Our Lady of Fatima taught them, was Most Holy Trinity, I adore thee, my God, my God, I love thee, and the Most Blessed Sacrament, which was wonderful. And they also said to say this prayer for the personal sacrifice of God. Uh, oh, my Jesus, I offer this for love of thee, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, and then, of course, we have the rosary prayer that's called the Fatima prayer that the Blessed Mother taught that said, Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. So those are the five prayers that came from 1916 and 1917. The first visit was on May the 13th. 1970, and they were grazing their sheep, and they saw a flash of light. The flash of light that they saw, all of a sudden, a woman appeared. She had a long flowing gown on, and she said, do not be afraid. I am Mary, and I am from heaven. She said she was from heaven. And she told the children, she said, now please pray the rosary for the end of the war and the end to all sinners, to, for reparation for all the sinners. So she told them to pray the rosary on May the 13th. They went back home. Uh, the youngest one, Jacinta, couldn't keep her mouth shut. <laughs> and so she started to um, tell her parents about this woman that they saw out in the field. And her parents didn't believe her. So her parents spoke to Lucia's parents 
and and said that hey the kids said they saw a woman out, out in the field. Lucia's parents, who was the oldest, she uh, was accused of lying. So the next month, on uh, the Blessed Mother said, I'm going to uh, appear on the 13th of for six months. And so on uh, June 13th, she showed up again. And the kids, uh, she told them how to pray the rosary and not, not abbreviate it because they were saying Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. So she told them to say the full prayer and to say it slowly and reverently. So that's what they started to do. Now is the second one. The third visit, July 13th, is when when uh, she said, okay, uh, she had her hands out. Rays of light came out of her hands. And the field that they were standing next to opened up. And what was there was hell. Hell was shown. She, they saw millions of people falling into hell. They saw bodies on fire. They saw screaming and crying. Hell is horrific. It's the worst thing you can possibly imagine. I heard a story once of a young man who lived not a good life, died, went to hell, and came back again. He said when he went to hell that it was the worst he's ever been in his entire life. He came back, and what he did was he wa- he walked on thistles on barefoot. He threw himself into thorn bushes. And people said, why are you doing this? His job that he had, he gave his money to all to the poor. And he said, because I have seen hell. And if you had all the force in the world and set them on fire, I would rather spend the end of eternity in that fire than spend five minutes in hell. Hell is that bad. So, uh, and if we think about it, Pride is the number one sin, and supposedly this is Pride Month, but it's a sin month for anybody who supports that. And so that's why um, why she wanted to show them hell. The, the children said she only showed it for a moment, hell for a moment, because had we seen it for more than a moment, we would have died of fright. That's how scary hell is. Well, in August, uh, a lot of people found out about this uh, this blessed mother coming to these three children. A lot of people in the city. So about 20 people showed up. And uh, what happened was a lot of people thought they were lying. So in August, they actually put the children in jail. And when they put them in jail, they couldn't see her on the 13th because they were in jail that day. So on the 19th, she showed up in front of them. And the 19th, when she showed up, she said, I know that they don't believe you. I know what's going on. Well, tell them I'm going to do a miracle for them in October. So uh, they did. They told their parents, they said, she's going to do a miracle in October. 
the news media found out about it. Uh, everyone found out about it. And uh, in September, about 25 to 50 people showed up where they were at. And she, she again repeated that she was going to do a miracle in the next month, in October. And the people said, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, we don't believe this. But uh, October the 13th came. And when October the 13th came, that's when uh, 70,000 people showed up. 70,000. And it was pouring buckets of rain. There was four inches of, of mud underneath our feet. Everyone was getting all muddy on their shoes and everything. And they were complaining about the rain. Well, then all of a sudden, the clouds split and the sun showed up. And when the sun showed up, all the 70,000 people there and the people looking from 20, 27, 30 miles away could, only, could look at the sun and it wouldn't damage their eyes. That's what was amazing about that. So it wouldn't damage their eyes. But what happened was the sun started spinning in a circle. It started making a circle and bigger circle. So the sun was going around in a circle in the sky. And then the sun decided to turn blood red. And when it started to turn blood red, it started coming closer and closer and closer to earth. And when it got all the way to earth, then, I mean, very, very close, people started to scream, they started to cry, they started to run, because they thought they were all going to die from the sun, this blood red sun that was coming closer and closer and closer to them. So a lot of people converted that day. But uh, what happened was then the sun stopped and it went back to its former way it looks today. And when that happened, everyone believed. There was 21 um, atheists there, and they all converted. And so uh, that's what happened on Our Lady of Fatima. Millions of people go to the church there today. Lucia later on had the Blessed Mother visit her, and she told her, she said, most people go to hell because of sins of the flesh. And that's true. Said most people go to hell because of sins of the flesh. So she ended up uh, doing a really good job. And um, uh, it was amazing what happened and all the things because Portugal was very, very close to going communist. And uh, the townspeople didn't believe her, but after the miracle of the sun, they believed her. They believe the children. And when they believe the children, the, the whole demeanor of Portugal changed. And instead of wanting to go communist, now they stayed democratic. They did not go communist, which was amazing. So we know that the Blessed Mother came and she gave them these prayers to say. She also told them the miracle of the sun. She did that. And uh, while, the, while the miracle of the sun was going on, where the sun was doing that, 
the children saw the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, and a baby Jesus, a young Jesus, uh, who is three or four years old, standing off to the side. And uh, so is the Holy Family right next to them. So that's what happened on Our Lady of, of Fatima, uh, the miracle of the sun. The country did not go, did not go uh, communist. And uh, not only that, there's an organization in the United States today called America Needs Fatima. And uh, we do public rosaries with them uh, once a month. We do it here in my little city, and we do it a lot of a lot of places all over the country do public rosaries because public rosaries are very very uh, valuable. Uh, in Austria, they had a public rosary, and the Nazis left. Uh, in Brazil, they did a public rosary, and the communists left. So the public rosaries have a lot of power, and they're really really good to do. So that's what happens, and that's what happens with Our Lady Needs Fatima. That's what happens with Our Lady of Fatima. Now I'm going to tell you about Catholicism Rocks. Catholicism Rocks is a wonderful, wonderful website. And I wish everyone could go on this because it's for Catholics who are practicing Catholics. You know, we know that Many Catholics are not practicing Catholics. We have a president of the United States. We have a, a, a former Speaker of the House who did not practice the faith. They believed in abortion. They believed in transgenderism, gay marriage, all the things against God. But um, there's a Deacon Schwartz wrote a letter uh, in here. It's a blog post. Um, it's from um, from Padre Pio. He said this. He said, stay with us, Lord, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. He said, I'm going to invite some of you to date yourselves as well. How many of you were born in 1967 or earlier? If so, then you're at least 10 years old and you might remember the movie Oh God, which came out in 1977. It starred the singer John Denver and the aging actor George Burns. John Denver's character was a supermarket assistant manager named Jerry, and George Burns had the title role. He played God. I don't know if you guys remember this movie, but it was I remember seeing it. The plot consists of God convincing Jerry that he, God, is really God, and he wants Jerry to deliver a message to the world that God lives and that the world can work if we humans try enough. But the end of the movie, Jerry has been ridiculed by everyone to whom he tried to convince that God really spoke to him. No spoiler alerts because uh, you can currently watch it for free on YouTube. But I will share the closing lines of the movie with you. God, a.k.a. George Burns, is finished with Jerry because Jerry accomplished what God wanted him to do. And the closing lines are something like this. God, well, I better be going. Jerry, you coming back? God, no. Jerry, ever? God, whenever comes, we'll see. Jerry, could we uh, just talk? Could, couldn't we just talk, Jerry said? And God says, I'll tell you what. You talk, I'll listen. Then the camera pans to God walking away. Then back to Jerry. 
and then back to where God was, but he's no longer visible. Jerry is like the two disciples in today's gospel. His eyes are opened, he knows God is real, and God vanishes from his view, and the movie ends. So, I also checked out the book from the library. Remember, the book is usually better than the movie. In the book, after God disappears, the author, writing in the first person, regrets that he couldn't sum up everything with one profound magical paragraph. The last sentence is, the best I can offer on my feeling about him is this, I wish we could have gotten closer. Stay with us, Lord, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. You talk, I'll listen. Short and quick, that's what you'd expect from a Hollywood movie. But the Gospels are not a product of Hollywood. They contain Jesus' words telling us how to talk to God, how to pray, and what, why we should pray and what we should expect from our prayer. Today's first reading, let us know that God stays with us. St. Peter's quote from Psalm 16 when we sang this morning, it's encouraging words. I set the Lord ever before me with him at my right hand, and I shall me not be not disturbed. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices, because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your faithful one to undergo corruption. The second reading reminds us that the blood of Jesus has redeemed us, and so it is easy to talk to him. He's only a prayer away. You talk, I'll listen. But for Catholics, he's present in another way, in the Blessed Sacrament. In case you're of a part of the 70% who think Eucharist is only a symbolic reminder, here are some ancient sources to nix that opinion. In the Liturgy of the Hours during the Easter season, there are a few non-biblical readings about the Eucharist. They go like this. This reading all affirms the doctrine of the real presence. Volume 2, St. Justin Martyr, he died in 165. Volume 2, St. Irenaeus, uh, died in 130 to 202. Volume 2, since Christ himself has declared the bread to be his body, who can have any further doubt? Since he himself has said quite categorically, this is my blood, who would dare to question it and say that it is not his blood. Jerusalem Catechesis, 300, uh, Volume 2, St. Gaudentius, late 300s, Volume 3, if Christ could be speaking, create out of nothing what he did not yet exist, can we say that his words are unable to exchange living things? Um unable to change existing things into something they previously were not. St. Ambrose on the Mysteries. These are the writings from the very early church that speak of Christ's real presence in the Eucharist. I know I know that uh, we know that he's present through the eyes of faith, the face to the three, three virological virtues, the same virtues that came alive with the two disciples in today's gospel. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. That's from the road to Emmaus. Stay with us, Lord, for as nearly even in that day is almost over. The disciples invite Jesus to remain with them, and Jesus accepts in the next line. So he went in to stay with them. What lesson do we learn from that line? We have free will. 
Jesus comes to us only if he's invited. Only on his own, the closet he'll come to us is to knock on the door of your heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He'll never force his way in. You have to open the door to your heart from the inside. In a few minutes, most of you will come forward to receive him in Holy Communion. This is from a priest, a deacon writing this. If you come up to receive communion, let yourself be distracted by stuff going on around you and don't acknowledge by your outward actions that he now is present to you. It's like inviting him to a party and then ignoring him. After Jesus spoke to them and broke bread, uh, why were the disciples' hearts burning? First of all, they weren't downcast, sad, maybe depressed. Jesus' crucifixion had dashed all their hopes. As he explained in the scriptures that foretell his coming, his death and resurrection, Jesus restored their hopes as he pointed out those scriptures that spoke of him. He lit a fire in their hearts. He enlightened their hearts. In this same part of the gospel, Luke is describing a celebration of Mass. Jesus' liturgy of the Word and of the Eucharist, when he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, Luke says, then they recognized him. Once they recognized his presence, now under the form of bread, he vanished from their sight, and they saw him and the gift he was to give them, the Eucharistic presence. Now, their hearts were burning, it says here. Uh, one of my favorite saints, because he died on my birthday, it says here, St. Pio, a.k.a. Padre Pio, related to a brother priest that one time his heart was burning after celebrating Mass. Padre Pio said, Jesus' heart and mind were fused together, if you allow me to express it that way. No longer were there two hearts beating but one. My heart had disappeared like a drop of water that is engulfed in the sea. The sea of paradise was Jesus, the king. The joy in me was so intense and so profound that I could not contain it. Tears of delight streamed down my face. Yes, Papa, people cannot understand that. When paradise is poured into the heart that is sorrowful, uh, it cannot contain without tears. Yes, I repeat, the very joy that filled my heart made me weep at length. So from Padre Pio's Spiritual Direction for Every Day by Giuliani Pasquale and Marcia Daigle-Williamson, Ph.D., in 2011, said, what Padre Pio, what St. Pio describes is the kind of experience that we shouldn't expect to happen every time we receive communion. We might experience only a few times in a year, maybe at a mass for a special event, or possibly on retreat. And what is that? I think the special moments like that are meant every time we receive communion. We shouldn't expect them every time. We don't always need moments like that. When they do come, they are gifts of God. But now, but that doesn't mean that our Lord Jesus doesn't love us. These kinds of moments are what the great spiritual writers call consultations, moments which we greatly feel the love and presence of God with us. The two disciples needed it today because they were discouraged, and Jesus lit a fire under them to get them to realize that his death and resurrection were part of his plan. His fire worked because once they recognized 
Jesus crucified was risen, and in their midst, they hightailed it back to Jerusalem. Stay with us, Lord, as we approach the altar to receive you today. Help us to conduct ourselves with reverence, as St. Paul recommends us today, with abounding joy in your presence as we sing in the responsorial psalm. Increase our faith, make our hearts burn, believing that you are next to us 24-7, always on our side. Amen. Now, that's one of the things that we have at Solaces and Rocks. There's so many of these. There's over a hundred of these blog posts. And they have about AI of the human heart. They got um, St. Thomas Aquinas on Christology, the Ascension, the Paschal Mystery, and the Perpetual Atonement. Uh, we got a, a one from uh, called What, what Can St. Catherine, Catherine Teach Us Today About the Power of Biblical, Biblically Responsible Investing? And there's another one there called How to Add Tithing and Almsgiving to Your Life. Uh, there's another one called They're Gunning for You, about how uh, they're going to be taking our guns away. There's uh, Occam the Nihilist, about self-love. There's one about um, society and culture. Um, there's one about... From Church to Wallet, Catholic Social Teaching, and Personal Finance. And then we have an article about Catholic Superhero and about Divine Mercy, Good Friday, Public Prayer, and Vigils Across Ireland. It's a lot that Easter is not for those suffering. That's another article. Solution to, to Ireland's Woes, Palm Sundays. April Devotion, Kooky Catholics, um, Catholic Sexuality, uh, Veritas, we call, Why We Call Mary the Mother of God, there's apologetics thing there, um, there's a whole bunch of these, there's, it goes to Lenten Rosary, Divine Mercy, Be Perfect, uh, St. Uh, Basil Giggles, The Fall, What We Lost and What We Gained, Modern Martyrdom, Sanctifying Grace, Justin Martyr and the Mass, Characteristics of Jesus, Priestly Celebracy. Uh, There's so many of these things here. Now, if anyone would like to volunteer with us, there's many, many positions open for uh, different things. Um, volunteers, you can actually um, be a content creator for the website, a podcaster for the website, a video editor or maker for the website, social media manager for the website, marketing associate. So that was, and um, marketing associate. Um, so all you have to do is put your first name, your last name, and your email address, and say what you want to do. And then you tell, tell us about yourself. So there's lots of things to do to volunteer with that. There's also lots of videos and podcasts. Sean Murray talks about apologetics. Uh, Rosary Warriors. Uh, Sherry uh, Maloka and the acronym lady talk about that. Uh, Jack Gist, 
has a whole bunch of videos on there. Um, Jen Arnold has some wonderful ones as well, too. So that's from our podcast site. Um, our forum site, we have lots of things there as well, too. Let me see. Um, the forum and discussions, uh, there's, we are the pro-life generation. We've got uh, rosary rallies. Uh, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of rosary rallies in the United States every single month. I know, I know that I do one um, every second or third uh, Saturday of the month in my city. I know they, uh, Kathy, one of our uh, directors is and founders is doing one every month, every Saturday, uh, every other Saturday. So there's a lot of things that you can see, a lot of things you can do. Now, um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my apologetics that I've done. I've done uh, some, some, a uh, lot of apologetics, um, done a lot of them. And I've been pretty, pretty successful with it because um one of them is a priest today, and so, which is a big thing. So I'm going to tell you one of the stories that I told one time. Um, I was actually uh, doing a, um, a public rosary one time, and a, a lady came up to me. And she said, I'm a lesbian. I want to know why you're doing this. And so we had a big sign that says, God's marriage, one man and one woman. And uh, this lesbian came up to me and she asked me, why are you doing this? I just said to myself, come Holy Spirit. And uh, so I said, I said to her, do you have an open mind? And she said, yes. I mean, who says no to that? <laughs> Do you have an open mind? Yes. She said yes. I, and then I said, have you ever heard of natural law? She said no. I said, can I tell you about it? She said yes. I said, natural law is in everything we own, everything we are, and everything in the world. What natural law is the simplest form is that everything has a purpose. If you use something that is not for and something else gets damaged. Let me give you some examples. A car has a purpose. Where does the car's go? To get from one place to another on the street. If you put that car in the ocean, what would would it work? She said no, because you went against natural law. The car would get damaged. Some same with a boat. If you took a boat out of the water and tried to move it on land, would it work? No, it would not. It would get hurt. And if you tried to brush your teeth with steel wool, you would damage your gums. You would tr try to clean your ears with an ice pick, and you would damage your ears. Our bodies are part of natural law, too. And so since our bodies are part of natural law, too, we see with our eyes and hear with our ears, not the other way around. Our bodies have a complete circulatory system. 
fact, our bodies have 37 trillion cells in them. And if you took your DNA out of your body and stretched it out, it would go 10 billion miles. That's your DNA inside your body, 10 billion miles. So anyway, um, I, I told the lady, I said, um, our bodies have a complete circulatory system. It is entirely part of the natural law. Our bodies, however, do not have a complete reproductive system. To have a child, you must have the, a male and a female, no other way around it. If you go against that, then you damage your So that is why gay lifestyles average 20 years or less uh, than on hetero couples. Many studies are proving this. That is why 40% of uh, uh, cancer cases are related to gays, and they only make up three, uh, six, seven percent of the population. That's why I had a kilter. Hospital stays are as much as 18 to 20, 27% related to gays, and again, less than seven percent of the population. Gays have higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicide, even higher rates of drug and alcohol abuse and cancer. So we are living in a time. Uh, so we are, I said, after I finished that, I said, higher rates of suicide and all those things. I said, so we're doing this to help you. Do you understand now? She said, yes, and thanked me. <laughs> and, and then she left. So that's what happened. Uh to us one day. She was a lesbian and I planted, I believe, a big seed in her so that she could actually find out about what she was doing was not wrong. Now, there's also another thing that um, a friend of mine named Patrick Madrid taught me. He said he was having uh, lunch with the two guys and he said that um, uh, one of the, he put this on a napkin. He said, uh, this is how some of my conversations uh, with me uh, when I was on the Las Vegas Strip went as well, too. But I said, how do you, how do you know your interpretation of the scripture is true? And the Protestant guy said, I know because the Holy Spirit guides me to the truth. I said, so you believe that everything you read, you can fully understand and know that your interpretation is correct? Yes, because the Holy Spirit guides me, he said. Then can I ask you a question about this? And she, he said, yes, sure. If I were to ask you what a six-word sentence meant, could you t let me know how you truly know what it means? He said, yes. I said, here's a sentence. I never said you stole money. He said, that's easy. It just means you never said you, that I stole, you stole money. I don't get it. I said, well, what if the person is saying, I never said you stole money. My brother said it. Or I never said you stole money. I just thought it. Or I never said you stole money. I said your sister stole it. I never said you stole, stole money. I said you embezzled money. Or I never said you stole money. I just think you stole a car. And uh, so I said, 
if, if, if you have a simple six-word sentence with five different meanings and you believe you can interpret the entire Bible, that is why someone has to give us the meaning of Scripture and why we have a church to do that for us. We've been doing it for 2,000 years. It's amazing. So that's another thing. Um, one thing about the Catholicism Rocks website is they have videos and podcasts. And these videos are for apologetics, um, all kinds of things. Um, an interview with Father Patty. Um, there's a whole bunch of things in there. Um, can you be your own God? <laughs> That's what Mormons think. They think they can be their own God. But that's not true. So Our Lady of Fatima, when that happened, it, it was amazing uh, because uh, the two children, uh, Francisco and Jacinta, um, they died at age, I think, 19 and 20 or 20 and 21. They were young, very young and when they died. And Lucinda, Lucy, Lucy, she uh, died uh, in her late 60s, I think it was. Um, but she became a nun and uh, she dedicated herself to all the things. Now there's secrets of Fatima that they've had and those are a whole different topic. Um, the Blessed Mother has appeared on Earth many, many times. She's appeared um, uh, uh, in Lourdes, and uh, I have a friend who's been for four times. Uh, my uh and his wife, so before they met, they were in uh, a, a, a Catholic of camping event in Los Angeles and they both got bit by ticks that gave them Lyme disease so they both went after they got married they both got married and they both traveled to Lourdes France and they went to Lourdes France to wash in the healing waters of, of Lourdes and that's what basically what happened so so um they had so much uh, of this that so many times that people went to Lourdes, France and washed in the waters and there are documented over 250 times where people were cured from crippledness, from blindness, from deafness, from skin diseases, from cancers, from all kinds of things in Lourdes, France. And that has happened. Um, there's also Our Lady of Guadalupe. And Our Lady of Guadalupe, when she came in 1531, there was less than, um, oh, a thousand Catholics in all of Mexico. Cortez, when he came, uh, uh, converted only a few of the Aztecs. And so only a few of them were there. Juan Diego was... Uh, uh, in his late 40s or 50s and he was walking to mass he was a convert from Aztec and he was walking to mass and he got stopped because a woman who was standing on a hill said Juan Diego come here so he stopped and he went to her and she said Juan Diego um, I want you to ask the bishop 
to build a church on this hill that I'm standing on. So he said, okay, not likely, but I'll ask him. So he went to the bishop, and, to, and when he went to the bishop, he said, um, there's a lady up on the hill that says she wants you to build a church up there. And the bishop said, oh, have her give me a sign. I, I want a sign that shows that she is truly from heaven. So went up there, and uh, um, on the way back, he was going to go back and tell the lady, but he found out that his uncle was sick. And when his uncle was sick, uh, he went to his uncle uh, because his uncle had the plague and he was going to die. So he went to his uncle to comfort him, came the next day and uh, said, I'm sorry, but my uncle was sick. And uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe said to him, your uncle is healed. And right then his uncle was healed. He was uh, no more plague. So when he did that, then uh, he said, uh, the bishop said he wants a sign. Well, it was December, December the third, uh, December the twelfth, in uh, Mexico. And I don't know if you know this, but Mexico is pretty high up elevation, and not a lot grows up there. But anyway, they had some growth of the things, and um, she decided to uh, put some roses into his poncho. It's called a tilma. So she put all of these roses into his poncho, into his tilma, and they were not regular roses from Mexico. They were Castilian roses, which came from Spain. So she put them in his poncho. He walked all the way down to the bishop's office, unfurled the roses, and on his cactus cloth tilma or his poncho, was a picture of the lady that he was speaking with. Now, that picture uh, has had all kinds of studies done on it, examinations. Scientists looked at the paint. They looked at the actual fabric. And they found out that they have no idea what kind of paint it is, no idea what kind of pigment it is. They have no concept of what put that image on there. Um, one of the guys with a powerful microscope said it's not actually touching us. Uh, it, it's not the, the, the paint is not touching the actual fabric. And so that's what he thought. But um, anyway, uh, so the bishop decided, okay, after he saw that image, he said, okay, I'll build a church on the hill. He built the church on the hill. And over the next nine years, the Aztecs saw that. And by the way, Our Lady of Guadalupe, when she showed up, she had a black tie around her waist, a black tie. And the black tie signified that she was pregnant. And uh, that was the uh, Aztec way of showing that you were pregnant. You put a black tie around your waist. And so when she did this, when she had all those things, she um, she, she actually uh, did a, a wonderful thing, and um, uh, the the tilma that was had the image of her on it. They hung it in the church, and when they hung it in the church, 
one million Aztecs converted a year for nine straight years. Nine straight years, nine million Aztecs converted to Catholicism. It's amazing. And now we know why Catholicism rocks. <laughs> because Catholicism rocks is a fantastic website. We've got a forum. We've got a shop where you can actually get a gift card and all kinds of things like that. We sell rosaries, grain scapulars, um, all kinds of wonderful things. Um, we have retreats. Uh, we're doing one right now for 33 days of mercy. We're doing that. Um, so there's a whole bunch of those things. And we have over uh, 300 members, and we'd like to get a lot more. So if you want to learn about Catholicism Rocks, please go to that website. It's catholicismrocks.com. And uh, sign up, and you can have access to all of the brilliant things that are written in the blog site and the forum and all the things. It's basically for Catholics who are good Catholics to have communication with one another. And you can communicate with anybody you like on there. So enjoy that a lot. Um, there's also a spiritual adoption for um, for babies, that you, if you want to do that. Um, and uh, there's all kinds of things that we have on that site. So if you would, again, if you want to volunteer and you want to do a contact creator or podcaster, video editor, editor maker, social media manager, or marketing associate, uh, you can always, always go to CatholicismRocks.com and volunteer. And you'll see all of those things that we have. Now, there's one more thing I want to tell you about my um, my uh, apologetics things. Um, I've actually uh, had a, a young lady who uh, who uh, uh, called me one day, and she said, uh, "Ed, I." I my friend in my office said that you could answer any questions about Catholicism for me. And I said, okay, what's, what's uh, the question? She said, well, I go to ICLV. I said, well, what's ICLV? And she said, you never heard of it. And it's a church in Las Vegas. I said, um, I, it's the international church of Las Vegas. We have 3000 members in our church. I said, no, I never heard of it. And I said, our church has uh, 1.2 billion members in it, now 1.3 billion. I said, so what's your question? She said, why do you Catholics believe Mary was without sin when the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23? I asked her, do you know the Bible well? She said, yes, I grew up a Baptist. I said, good, I said. I said, uh, let me ask you, what was in the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament? She said, three things. The Ten Commandments, the manna from heaven, and the shepherd's staff from Aaron, the brother of Moses. I replied, well, you do know the Bible. I said, good for you. And yes, you are correct. Then in the Ark of the Covenant were three things, the Ten Commandments. Some scholars call it the Word of God, since God did write it with his finger into the rock tablets. Would you agree to that? She said, yes, you could call it the Word of God. 
I said, when the manna from heaven was called, was also called the bread from heaven, right? And she said, right. And the shepherd's staff that Aaron, who, who was the high priest of the Levites, symbolized the high priesthood, right? She said, right. I said, so who is the word of God, the bread from heaven, and the high priest? And she said, Jesus. And I said, yeah, was Jesus in the Ark of the Covenant? And she said, yes. He said, yeah, because he said, before Abraham was, I am. Um, so now let's go to Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, where Uzzah was carrying the Ark and David was dancing up, and, up ahead and uh, they brought the ark to Jerusalem, but the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah put his hand on it to steady it. What happened to Uzzah? She said, he died. I said, correct, but why did he die? She said, I have to think about that. And finally, she said, I, I think he died because nothing unclean can touch the ark. Leviticus tells us that, and so Uzzah had sin on his soul and touched the ark and died. That sounds right. So anyway, I said, let's go about 600, 800 years forward to a young girl named Mary, who was told she's going to carry that same word of God, that same bread from heaven, that same high priest, Jesus, inside of her. How in the world could she have sin on her soul? She would have died just as Zusa died. She said, I never thought of that. Thank you. She said, my name's Talia. I said, I got a call an hour later from Talia saying, what's this about purgatory? I said, why don't you come to my class at Our Lady of Las Vegas? Yes, that's a parish in Las Vegas. And, um, and uh, it's on 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. She said she would. She was African-American, spoke five languages fluently, graduated from the top 10% of her class at Harvard Law School, and today she is Catholic. She invited me to Washington, D.C. when she got a job there to see, uh, uh, well, she got a job with a huge law firm there to see Pope Benedict, who was coming in April. And his birthday was April 16th, by the way. I went and I went to I went to uh, Washington D.C. Went to the papal mass, and a friend came up to Talia and asked if she wanted to wake up early and see Pope Benedict off to New York. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. So, so she, uh, she went off to uh, we, we woke up early to see Benedict, Pope Benedict off to New York. We went and. We got on these big buses. We arrived at the papal nuncio's house where he was staying, and I decided to follow a young man to the gate in front of the house. And it was amazing because uh, he came out, put his hands on the head of the little boy in front of me. He stretched out. I stretched my hand above the little boy to shake hands with him. He stopped, turned around, and he shook my hand. I was so blessed to shake hands with Pope Benedict. It was amazing. And that's what's amazing. So please, if you can, sign up. Go to CatholicismRocks.com. There's so many stories on there. You can't believe it. It's just a phenomenal site. So I want to thank you again. And God bless you all. In Jesus' name, we pray that everyone will be blessed 
by this talk, by whatever has happened in your lives, because God is the author of your life. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen.